You are listening to episode 63 with Carla Reed, General Manager and CEO of WSSE Water. This episode is brought to you by Moonshot Missions. Hi, this is Kathy Bernardino Bailey, Executive Director of the Greater Cincinnati Waterworks Department. This is the podcast that is demonstrating the power of women in the water sector. It's water in real life with my friends, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. Hey, water nerds, what's your moonshot? George Hawkins, former chief executive of DC Water, is president and founder of Moonshot Missions. Moonshot is a nonprofit organization seeking to disrupt the current approach to delivering improvements to water systems. Led by seasoned and skilled experts, Moonshot Missions designs replicable models that help utilities overcome the challenges they face in order to move forward. Moonshot can help you assess your system, select solutions from a pre-vetted menu of projects, plus develop innovative financing approaches. You are not in this alone. Moonshot Missions will help you collaborate with other leaders to work together, develop tailored mission plans, and share lessons learned. Together, you can build water systems that work more efficiently and effectively to protect and provide for the residents you serve while also saving your customers money. If you'd like to learn more or even share your own experience that might be helpful for a struggling utility to adopt and start on a positive path, visit moonshotmissions.org or email george at moonshotmissions.org. I don't think that I could exist in what I do. No, I don't think. I know I couldn't exist in what I do without the power of communication. Um, communication is the universal tool to understanding and, and um, to getting things done. We met Carla Reed at the 2019 Imagine H2O Innovation Summit, and she is a firecracker. In our initial chat with her, she gave us like three different ideas that we ran with and adopted already. From their strategic planning process to their commitment to transparency when communicating with their customers to their vision of using innovation as one of their tools to becoming the world-class utility, Carla and her team demonstrate the incredible impact that can happen at the intersection of passion and gumption. We talk innovation, diversity, women in water, and find out why Carla believes that communication is the universal tool to understanding and to getting things done. So without further ado, let's get to the show. Carla A. Reed serves as General Manager and Chief Executive Officer at the Washington Suburban Sanitary Commission. She is the first woman to serve in this capacity. Reed is a civil engineer and senior executive with more than 30 years of business and leadership experience in the public sector. As GM CEO, Reed leads a 101-year strong water utility, the largest in Maryland in all aspects of business. She serves as a board member of the National Association of Clean Water Agencies, Prince George's County Workforce Development Board, and the Prince George's Chamber of Commerce, and is an active member in the community. A true champion of science, technology, engineering, and math education, Reed also advocates for programming that increases the number of girls and other underrepresented groups and these disciplines. In recognition of her professional achievements, community leadership, and mentoring, Reed was named one of the Daily Records 2019 Maryland's Top 100 Women. Well, we certainly agree. And um, surprise me. No, not surprised at all. So yeah. Carla, thank you so much for um, taking some time out to chat with us this morning. I know you're incredibly busy. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, so last time we spoke, uh, you showed us a blown up picture that you have in your office from 
your childhood. I'll let you explain what's going on in that picture. But given that picture, do you think that you chose water or did water choose you? Okay, that's a very interesting question. <laughs> so first, I guess I should tell you what the picture is so that you can get a visual of this. Uh, well, one Christmas day, when I was about four years old, um, I happened to be dressed up in a nice red and white dress. And my dad came by the bathroom. I guess I was in the bathroom, actually using the bathroom with the door open. Because <laughs> uh, I was a you know, four-year-old kid, didn't really have too much shame at the time. There it is. There it is. And so uh, I'm, I'm in this bathroom, and you can see me on the toilet. Clearly, I'm on the toilet, even though my dress is covering up everything. And you see the pipes for the sink and the faucet and everything else. And um, I guess a few years, probably a few years ago, I, I came across that picture. I've forgotten that it had been taken at all. So back to your question, <laughs> water choose me or did I choose water? I say that water chose me, even though um, I would like to say that I chose water. I just think that the picture that was taken of me just confirms that it was my destiny to be in water. Mm -hmm. and. Um, you know, my dad was famous for taking pictures of all of my siblings doing something that they actually decided to have a career in. Oh, like, yeah, so he actually took a picture of uh, my sister, who's right above me, um, at a table with some wax figures in a museum, and now she's the chair of a museum studies department. Oh what? Yeah. And another sister's a librarian. When she's about 12, she's sitting at a desk with stacks of books just coming up to her head. Wow. It's incredible. So I, I do think that water chose me. I want to say that water, that I chose water, but it did, I don't, I can't think I can honestly say that. <laughs> but definitely I was destined to be here in this profession. Nice. Well, that's definitely the, the angle that we hear a lot of is most people are like, well, I just, I kind of have a weird journey of how I got into water, but it's not really weird because everyone's journey is different and it's not planned. So we're glad that water did choose you. <laughs> but I, I have a little twist to your question, though. Okay. I think I chose to be CEO. <laughs> because, yeah. yeah, because I put it on my vision board um, in 2014. Yeah. It was my 2015 vision board. By the end of 2015, I was getting this job offer mm. and started work January 2016. So I chose to be a CEO. I love well, it. Well, I'm glad you said that because we are huge fans of the vision board. We have ours. We actually need to do, we need to update ours. We need to do another one, but we've had some things on that come true. I know. So I we, we believe in that 100%. We're also fans of a certain definite article. That's a shout out to all my grammar nerds out there. And it's the word the, all caps, of course. So our Twitter and Instagram handle is the H2 duo, which we claim because the Tom Ferguson at Imagine H2O said that we were inimitable, so we claim it. The you want to be the world class water utility in dare we say the world. <laughs> so that's a bold statement. One of our core values is to be bold, so we love that. How do you permeate your organization with that level of boldness? Like, how do you rally your team around that idea of being? the world-class water utility? Well, the way I 
get everybody excited about our uh, vision is to just say it and say it and say it over and over again, repeat it. They know what I'm going to say before I even say it. It's, it's like they're finishing the sentence when I started. Um, I, in college, I was a, a cheerleader. I was the captain of the cheerleaders in, in college. And I take advantage of how um, to motivate people using that type of excitement. But beyond that excitement, deep down, I'm just passionate. And, <laughs> and I know that we will be the world-class water utility, where excellent products and services are always on tap. Um, and, and I just, you know, continue to do that. And I, I do that by I visit, when I visit our employees, I go and I, and I know that um, they know that I'm accessible to them. Um, and I'm just deliberate with continuing to drive home the point of being world-class and really pointing out the examples of when we achieve that so that we can do more of that. And I have to say that we already think that you have one of the coolest communication director uh, because yes. I wish all y'all can see this, uh, this interview while it's happening because every time she says something like Chuck seems to have something directly Some related. Yeah. yeah, he has props. He's in the background. So if you hear us laughing, it's because Chuck's back there. <laughs> Yeah. And, um, uh, one other thing I'll say, too, is that I do these meetings called Come in Unity. Mm. And I, I always go around to all of the facilities that we have. And it says Come in Unity, but it's like it means community. Yeah. When you say it really fast. Um, and in those meetings, I, again, I try to emphasize um, the importance of us working toward that vision. And every single board meeting that we have, we begin with that vision. How I love awesome. that. Yeah. I love that. I wanted to. I wanted to tell you a, a quick story based on um, permeating kind of your message. I love that you talked that you talked about talking about it because that is so important. And one time when we were still with our city, we um, we had this regional meeting that used to move from city to city and different cities hosted it. And one time we did, and there's kind of like a little networking. Everyone catches up for a minute beforehand and there's some sort of snack. And for ours, we served Kool-Aid. And oh. the whole, the, but so a lot of times we do things and every little thing means something. And so we were preaching, I forget what it was we were preaching about that time, but something we actually, related. We were going to tell them about Catalyst. Oh yeah. We were, were getting their thoughts on this idea of something like Catalyst happening. Yeah, which is our mastermind communication summit that we do. And um, so at the end of it, we said, uh, so y'all drank the Kool-Aid. So you guys gave <laughs> this and they're like, oh, <laughs> that is so cool. Wow. So, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> they already drank it. So yeah, they already well. drank <laughs> it. So they had to be committed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> well, we believe that you should live, eat, breathe, your core values, and they become so ingrained that when people ask us to list them, it's hard because they're really just a habit to us at this point. Um, so what are your core values and how are they being integrated across daily life at the WSSC? Okay, so we have five core values. First one is accountability, then collaboration, environmental stewardship, excellence, 
and innovation. So those are our five core values. New this year to the lineup are collaboration and innovation. And the way we got to add those was that we did this, you know, I said I do come in unity, but I also um, did um, a strategic planning with anybody who wanted to participate in. I had three big meetings at three different locations, and we did the SOAR analysis. And SOAR is strengths, opportunities, uh, aspirations, and what results do we want to get. And so in uh, talking to our, all the employees and getting their feedback about our core values and what we should have as priorities, we came to the conclusion that we had to add collaboration and innovation. Uh, it is something that we all believe in particularly me, I, I think that that's just the game changer. You talk about world, being world-class. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, actually collaborating and innovation uh, and communication are those key ingredients to making sure that you come world-class. Now, also innovation is so important to me and to WSSC uh, that, we, that I've elevated it to the general manager's office uh, and it's at the, team that we created is called Innovation and Strategy or Strategy and Innovation Office. I get the mix up, Strategy and Innovation Office. And I really do see that as the future, not only for us, but for the sector. And uh, what that team does is they focus on our um, strategic performance and they have all kinds of measures that they take and share and we talk about. And also we look to those frequently, that data frequently to make decisions. Um, about our assets and everything else that we do. And the next thing, of course, is the actual innovations. And we're talking about innovations everywhere, not just in technology or equipment, but in our processes as well. How do we do those things? And um, so we have now a couple of patents that we are uh, trying to get approved. Um, we put in the applications and we have a business development person who's in that office as well. So we do plan to market these uh, innovations and we see that really as the key to our total success. Nice. Yeah, I love that you talked about or that you include communication uh, in terms of because uh, you can get innovative in the way that you're communicating. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you include that. Like Tom Ferguson, again, from Imagine H2O gave this great quote. And I think an interview he did with Travis Loop, but talked about how sometimes innovation is just simply looking at something through a different lens. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just opens you up to a whole new way of looking at something. So it, it doesn't always have to be this like, super technological advancement. Like sometimes it's just seeing something in a different way and, and doing something with it. So I love that. And mm -hmm. you are the one that actually introduced the SOAR analysis to us. And we've already done it. We've already implemented really? it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. You yeah. told us and we were like, oh, we really loved that instantly. Yeah. So we, we did it. Yeah. We did it with a, a client of ours. What? Yes. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. See, SWOT, I love SWOT analysis, you know, stress, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. But I think SOAR gets at it in a more positive, forward-looking way because yes. the, the th yeah, the threats and the opportunities that are in um, SWOT translate perfectly over to the SOAR method and, and you have a positive spin on it. And I yeah. love that there's a focus on results. Yes. yes. There's not enough focus on that. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. What and aspirations helps you like dream bigger, yes. the, have more of a, you know, 40,000 foot view vision. And then, okay, so what are the actual results that we can use to get us to that greater vision? So yeah, yeah. thank you thank for you. the inspiration. <laughs> Yay. Glad I could help. Uh, so, but let's talk a little bit more about innovation. You know, that's kind of like the buzzword right now and that <laughs> spans across all industries. Um, you're passionate about using innovation to not only stay ahead of the game, but you also kind of hinted at this, that it's also the way to attract the next generation of water nerds. And you can see how you're integrating that in the programs that um, you all are supporting in local schools related to STEM. We saw a really cool thing about gaming that you guys did at uh, the Stratcom's NACWA conference. So what are some of the strides in innovation that you're most proud of that demonstrate just how cool this industry is? Uh, well, um, one of the things I think is the most exciting is that we actually helped to found uh, Innovation Forum. It's called the Mid-Atlantic Innovation Research Council. And in doing that, it's it really is bringing uh, like minds together, people who want to do something different, make a breakthrough, and then just to share this information that you can leverage what somebody else has done, you can save money by pooling together to look at these different innovations. And I just think that that's one of the most exciting things that we've done. But besides that, we also in-house had our first innovation day and yeah that was so cool and it was like um kind of mirrored after the shark tank uh where people could present their innovations and they get uh feedback from the judges on the spot uh telling them um you know cool emoji face or <laughs> no, no bad emoji faces but some some were bigger, bigger and better um uh buy-in into the project that the, the presenter was making, the inventor was making. So it, that is um, really, I think, the thing that got me so excited about um, how innovation has taken off, not just from, you know, my level and the commissioner's level, because they actually had their own research committee um, and innovation committee. Um, so it's just tying all together from, from the top to the bottom to the bottom to the top. And uh, since 2016, we've actually uh, introduced several new innovations to our system. In 2016, we started uh, installing zinc-coated ductile iron pipe, and that's going to extend the life tremendously of our pipes. Um, we have the longest acoustic fiber optic system in all of the United States, over 102 miles. So that helps oh us to, yeah, it helps us to like really get a heads up on when our pipe is failing. Mm -hmm. And um, we have intervened 20 times uh, in the last couple of years to avoid million dollar repairs on large diameter pipe. So that alone is, is, has been spectacular. Um, yeah, so that's what we're doing. Yeah. And, and and that was one of the, that was actually one of the stories that Jacqueline uh, presented at Stratscom was oh. that innovation that came out of what can go, that what can go wrong when a pipe breaks and how what you're doing is preventing that from happening again, because yeah. we're not talking like little BB, BB pipes. We're talking like pipes that create rivers in roads. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. You know, you remember that river road. <laughs> yeah. And so that is, that's a tangible way to communicate that to the public about like, this is innovation that we're doing and this is what we're preventing by doing it. Um, and I love that you're creating the opportunity for your um, employees to innovate within. And I hope that every director listening um, is inspired by that and, and implement something similar to that because when we talk about what we did and um, following your passion and, and doing all of that, you know, Arianne says a lot, you know, we're not saying that everybody should quit their job and start their own company, mm -hmm. but we learned that there's these things called entrepreneurs. And those are the people that mm -hmm. within an organization are being able to innovate and to be creative and, and to do start new things. And so that's really what you're creating. And I think that that's, incredibly important in our industry to keep people like, motivated and inspired. So everyone listening, mm -hmm. listen to Carla. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> you've been super busy this year. Um, you've made some major changes all at once, uh, including a new rate structure. And y'all essentially practice what we preach all the time of being proactive and transparent. So can you talk us through that transition and how you engaged your community? That was the most extensive customer outreach I think I've ever been a part of. Mm -hmm. uh, we started early on having meetings with our um, customers to let them know um, that we were changing the rate structure after we had the same rate structure for 25 years. And so the first couple of meetings, uh, well, actually the first meeting was like so raw. It, we got blown out of the water, didn't know that we were going to have as many people show up. Our room was too small. It was, we had chairs, but then it was, people were in standing room. Uh, and they had a lot of great questions that we internalized and thought about how could we, in our next uh, outreach effort, take that into consideration and improve on what we did. So we had 30 public meetings in all, and that started in the spring of 2017. And then we also um, had, I guess, if you counted up all the customers who came, it was over 1,500 customers who came, and they generated like 300 comments on the proposed rate structure. We answered every single question. Awesome. Uh, we also did live streaming of those um, community meetings and um, we had videos on social media we did um, English and Spanish outreach we did every single thing we could think of to make sure that we were as transparent as we possibly could be um, in involving our customers in something that was going to impact their lives mm -hmm. the rate structure so um, we also by the time we got ready to actually implement the new rate structure we had open houses and but and at that time we had created an online uh, billing tool that the customers could take their own bill and convert it into this online calculator and it would tell them what their new bill would be and that's awesome yeah some people got pleasant surprise some people that their bill was going down and then those who got the information that 
their bill was going up, they knew how much more was going to go up. And for everybody, I think it was no more than four dollars or something for the average quarterly customer. But they knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was the key thing that they they knew that um, what was going to happen. And um, so it went well by the end. Um, we've actually implemented it now. Um, and we've implemented it with a new billing system at the same time. That's gone pretty well. And a new bill. Um, <laughs> and a new structure bill. So it doesn't look like your typewriter printed out that bill. Uh, and then for those, uh, I'm going to go back to those customers who um, got the information that their bill was possibly going to go up mm-hmm. in the new system. We also had on site some affordability partners. So people who are struggling to pay their water bill, if they had you know any other issues, then these partners were there. We had um, uh, the Salvation Army was one of the partners. They actually administer our water fund that helps our customers who can't pay the bill. We had all those resources there at the customer's fingertips to know that they that we wanted to support them any way they needed to be supported uh, to endure this change. Nice. I love that you guys started so early when you did. Yeah. You, know, you really were transparent and really engaged them. And it wasn't like something that you had already decided on and that you're just telling them after the matter of the fact. You you had them engaged from the very beginning. And, you know, also kudos to you and your staff to being brave enough to coming back and trying again after that first initial one that was just, uh, I remember when we were, you were first telling us about this and uh, I think Chuck was telling us that one of the things you found in that meeting was just that you needed to change your messaging because people were thinking that you were just talking about a rate increase and not that you were completely restructuring the way that people were going to be billed. And so um, I really love that as, a, as anecdotal evidence of how important it is to listen to your customers and hear what they're hearing. And if they're not hearing what you're trying to commun- communicate, coming back and, and changing up your messaging and not just saying, well, you heard me wrong and, and not changing the message. So like kudos to you guys for, for doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, diversity and inclusion are another hot topic in our industry right now. You said it's important because we can't all be singing the same song the same way. Uh, We need some harmonies, not just a bunch of altos. I love that. (laughs) So talk to us a little bit about um, how to build more harmony on your teams and how a little bit of pie helps. Love that pie. You love pie too? Okay. (laughs) So so first, I think you have to be passionate about, about diversity and about including people and that um, that you do really get better decisions and better outcomes when you have different points of view. I think that's what our outreach to our customers showed us. We saw all kinds of customers interested in a bunch of different things, uh, but because you listen and you try to absorb and understand that you can make adjustments so that most people uh, can have what they want. Um, I think that uh, we can create more diversity and inclusion in the water sector just by, you know, making some more partnerships, like with some of the universities. Um, I recently went to Howard University uh, with WEF, 
the Water Environment Federation to reach out to see how we can create more synergies and have people choose water as opposed to, you know, <laughs> being chosen by water. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, so WEF just created a task force, actually, for diversity and inclusion, and I am so honored that they asked me to be the chair oh. of the committee. And so I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, how I can use my PI, <laughs> and PI stands for performance, image, and exposure, and particularly the exposure piece, because mm -hmm. I think that when people are exposed to um, the possibilities that they make good choices. And I know they will choose water when they know more about it and, and what fulfillment you get out of having a career in water because it touches every aspect of life. Yeah, and I love that pie was your way of talking about how people can view inclusion that doesn't necessarily single out a gender or race, but really that you should look at people and how you bring them onto your team in terms of their performance image and um, exposure. Mm -hmm. And that that's how you can really work towards building people uh, in their careers, both, I'm sure both professionally and personal too. So um, I had never heard that acronym before. So, and I'm a fan of acronyms, of course, I work I in the water. <laughs> and we love PI. And we also talk about PI in terms of a communication um, communication strategy. You're not going to hit your audience just using one slice of the pie. It's going to take the whole pie. Oh, so, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And you know, and there's plenty of slices to go around for everybody who wants the opportunity. That's there right. are. Yeah. There's so many, man, there's so many mediums and platforms and channels that you can, that you can reach people. It's just, yeah, you don't have to stick with one piece. <laughs> exactly. I love right. it. Here it comes, the issue that we can't believe is an issue in 2019, but women in water. <laughs> so in your chat with Travis Loop on your words on water uh, podcast interview with him, you said that you're a leader before you're a woman and snaps to that. But yes, it's annoying. But the truth is there is a huge gap in, in women in, in this industry, So, which is okay because I think we're at this tipping point where women are actually poised to come in and help the industry with some of these great challenges we face. Mm -hmm. um, what are your words of wisdom of how we bring them in? Like what story do we need to tell to encourage more women to join this water revolution? Wow. That's, that's a hard one. <laughs> that, that, that's a hard one. Um, but an easy one at the same time, because I think that the, the earlier you expose women and girls to um, the possibilities in this sector because they are enormous from being communication professionals like you are to being engineers. Uh, they are, there are just so many things that we can do to um, teach and to learn and give an opportunity in, in this field. Uh, one of the things that we do here at WSSC is um, bring, um, it, we introduce a girl to engineering day in doing that. Uh, they get to hang out with all of our cool uh, female engineers and they hear their personal stories. So just sharing more mm -hmm. because I can't remember having that much access 
to people who were actually doing things in, in the field, certainly not in water. Because when someone told me you should apply WSSC, I didn't even know what WSSC, I thought he was telling me to go apply to a radio station. I said, I'm not a communications major, I'm an engineering major. So I just think the availability and us, uh, the women I know in water, uh, are very, very um, approachable and accessible, and they want to introduce a, a girl to engineering. So yeah. I think um, just the fact that we're being deliberate about setting up these opportunities is going to go a long way. We might not see the dividends pay back immediately, but I think the more we do that and stay vigilant to do it, um, we're going to do that. We're going to bring more women in. Mm -hmm. And the internships, um, that, that's a great way to get uh, women involved. And um, I don't know what our ratio is of men to women in, in our internships, but I think there are more women, actually, nice. um, these days. And um, so those are just the ways that you know, we try to um, involve women uh, to bring your child to work day. All those things, our STEM programming and our STEAM programming, all of that are just different avenues we can take to the same road, get to get into water. Love it. Well, I love that you're such an advocate for lifting each other up. I think that's a really incredibly important message for, for women to hear is for us to, to lift each other up and especially a woman that's in a position of power that you're in to know that, you know, you're so committed to, to doing that and to practicing, to practicing what you preach. And, you know, I want to echo all of the importance of bringing in the, all the women in STEM, but like we have so many different opportunities across the industry that it's, you know, women in everything and in every um, aspect of, of what we do. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm always, I'm a huge, I'm so proud that like we have someone like you that's kind of representing us at, at that level and, and building and lifting each other up. So appreciate that. Oh, my pleasure. I love it. I love it. I love to see people growing and learning and really, you know, making decisions. And if I could have any part of that, that gives me so much joy and pleasure because um, I know how critical this field is. Mm -hmm. And so. Well, we jokingly, lovingly joke that, um, you know, some engineers aren't the best communicators in the world. <laughs> um, some of our favorite stories are of engineers who thought communication was fluff, uh, but now they're believers. Hashtag Tom Hickman. Um, <laughs> uh, and as an engineer, you know, were you always a believer or did that come over time? Hmm. I think... I can say I was always a believer, but I didn't, I don't think, appreciate how much it took, how much work it really takes mm -hmm. to do it. But it's work that pays back so many dividends in the end mm -hmm. that it's so worth the investment. Um, so I appreciate, you know, the the types of relationships and partnerships that we build and how much that fuels the whole, um, our ability to communicate even more effectively because we know what different people want and what they need and how to, uh, to actually uh, make adjustments so that we answer those or take care of those needs. So um, I've always been a believer, but now I'm even like, I don't think that, 
I could exist in what I do. Not, I don't think. I know I couldn't exist <laughs> in what I do without the power of communication. Yeah. Um, communication is the universal tool to understanding and and um, to getting things done. And as a matter of fact, I thought that I was, I, I think I first realized that I needed more work um, as a communicator when I was trying to be an advocate for mm. my employees as a first line supervisor. Yeah. And um, I was not communicating well. I wasn't getting what I wanted. Let's put it that way. I wasn't getting what I wanted. So I had to figure <laughs> out, I had to figure out a way to get what I wanted. And the way that I did that was I went back to school. And um, I went back to school to get a human resource management um, degree. And I learned a lot about organizational communications when I was doing that work. So I think I've been much better. I know I have even more to learn and to grow into you know, being the, a better communicator. Um, but I know it's something that my job just wouldn't even be possible without. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a similar experience in that, uh, in terms of like kind of finding out that even doing a public education or a role similar to that, there's also the formal education roles within a city. And in one of the cities that I was at as a public educator, it kind of had like a... Um, she had some beef with the communications <laughs> department. Let's just say that. <laughs> and, and so what I, right before that, she asked me to come to this program with her, which we talk about all the time. It's a certified public communicator course that we went through. We became certified public communicators. It's at uh, TCU or Texas Christian University in Fort Worth. Um, it's a partnership with our state um, TAMIO, uh, Texas Association of Municipal Information Officers, Uh, and going through that program, you know, I didn't go back to school, but like getting certified through that program taught me that we just were kind of speaking different languages, but saying the same thing. And that once I learned that language, um, I could, I could get more done. I could get my goals accomplished faster. And so, um, definitely agree with, uh, just, when you're in a position where you find your you find that you have a weakness in an area, like you know, you don't have to go back to school <laughs> like you did, but you know, you there are opportunities out there to kind of learn what you need to 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 fill those gaps. Just so the fact love that, that you know, both of you. I know I've done this too, but both of you, you know, saw that gap and you know. Problem solved. Let's go fix it. So as communicators, we believe that communication is sort of the Occam's razor to many of the challenges we face, meaning that with all things being equal, that it's the most simplest solution. And communication is a good place to start and something you can start working on today. But effective communication only happens if we're creating messaging with the audience in mind. So what they need to hear versus what we want to tell them. And it's, it's all about them. So that requires a great deal of empathy when it comes to creating messaging that our audience truly wants, our needs. So how do you feel that we can infuse more empathy and the way we communicate to the communities we serve? One of the first things that I think about when I think about how you have to communicate and what people think when you're communicating with them is sometimes there's a gap and people in that gap go to MSU 
and I'm not talking about Morgan State University or Michigan State University or you know, yeah, Mississippi State University. I'm talking about make stuff up. Yes. <laughs> and um, so in knowing that, you have to be prepared to, to know that there are already some thoughts that have been formed. And then how do you pivot from that um, to actually uh, going through a process where you can really educate, you can position yourself for really educating someone and um, then making it interactive by collaborating with them to get them to, you know, work with you on this. And um, the ultimate form of knowing that you've been successful at it is that people start to advocate for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, you've gone through this whole process with them and you've built up this trust. And uh, so I think that those are the things that, you know, really are the difference makers uh, when it comes to communications, really having the deep down desire. People know when you don't really want to know what they think. Mm -hmm. Oh, Uh, yeah. And so uh, just to be, you know, just absorb what they're saying. What does that mean? And, and clarify um, and go back and forth until you actually get to a place where um, you're operating on all cylinders and everybody is communicating. And then one of the things that I have asked, I don't make it mandatory, but we offer um, some the seven habits class, the Steve Covey's, Ooh, yeah. uh, Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. One of his seven habits is seek first to understand, then to be understood. Mm-hmm. And try to practice that all the time because it's so easy to jump to a place where you are not, where you're totally on different pages. You're not on the same page. And so when someone feels that you are really trying to understand where they're coming from, um, then they get satisfied. Mm-hmm. And then you can ultimately get what you need because now you've have been able to consider the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I think it was Jackie Lambiase, who's one of the professors through the CPC program is talked about how that's why we have two ears and one mouth because we're supposed to listen more than we speak. So <laughs> that's what I think about when uh, I think about how important it is to, to listen and to understand before we just, you know, start thinking of what our next response is going to be. So mm-hmm. well, make it stuff even worse, make it stuff up. MSC, I mean, that, like, that's hard to turn around. See, you just keep on giving us all these like <laughs> little tidbits and acronyms. We got SOAR, we got PI, we got MSU. Or just, okay, yay. Yeah. <laughs> Full of it today. Yeah. Full of wisdom today. Groovy. <laughs> All right. Well, um, we appreciate you you spending some time with us. So we're about to wrap up with what we call our lightning round, which I am going to let Ariane kick off. Hey. Okay, Miss Carla, how, uh, what's your favorite book right now that you can recommend to us? Okay, it is Relentless. Ooh. Relentless, and it's by Tim S. Grover. And there's like a subtitle to Relentless. Okay. The subtitle is From Good to Great to Unstoppable. Ooh. <laughs> yes, this is, oh, I love this book. Um. Tim Grover is a, a trainer, and he trained Kobe Bryant and um, Dwayne Wade and okay. somebody else who's really famous. But it just talks about how 
they're in a relentless category, like and no, not with not with anybody else. It's that they always go if there's an extra mile, they go on ten extra miles. They're doing ten x. So this is about being unstoppable and going way beyond what you thought you could do mm-hmm. to get what you have to get done done with nothing in your way. Wow, love it. Well, yeah. that sounds like the perfect book for someone who wants to be the world-class water utility to be reading. Yes. <laughs> Makes sense. What's, mm-hmm. something, what's something that you do every day that drives your productivity? Well, every day I, I think about, well, I get up first and I do meditation and prayer, read something that's going to inspire me for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that reading is one of those, um, like, you know, devotional things that have every day, there's mm-hmm. something you can read or uh, reflecting on what the day is going to be like. What do I want out of the day? Ooh, I'm yeah. beginning with the end in mind. Talk about Stephen Covey. I'm beginning with the end in mind. What do I want to get done this day? Mm-hmm. And also the, the last thing I think I do is I try to close the loop on things that that, that have not been done. You know, where is this thing? Where is that thing? And so when I come to work, I'm ready to rock and roll or I'm going into my weekend. I know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So um, that's it. So it's a little bit of reflection. It's a little bit of planning and it's a little bit of what, what, what results did I get? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think if breakfast is the most important meal of the day, like kind of how you get your mind right is also one of the most important things you can do in the day too, because it just kind of sets your your trajectory for the day. So I couldn't think it of it. sure does. <laughs> um, so in our line of work, uh, you know, we're talking about kind of behavior change. Arianne and I have heard people say, well, what does it matter if I make a change? I'm just one person. It's not going to make a difference, which we obviously wholeheartedly disagree with. We believe that one person making a change can be contagious and can, you know, maybe ultimately change the world someday. So What's the one call to action that you're most passionate about that you believe could ultimately change the world? A sense of urgency, Mm. just a sense of urgency. Just do it now. I mean, it's too much waiting, too much pondering, too much, you know, all of this stall, kick down the road. If we just do more, um, that more crazy things, but, you know, more things that mm-hmm. are going to get us closer to our goal. So I think just the urgency of just do it. Yes. And, um, and you know, whatever comes out of it, comes out of it. I, mm-hmm. I don't believe that anything that happens is, is, uh, is for anything that's going to be bad. I think that everything happens either for you to learn a lesson, if it doesn't work, or you can celebrate it when it does work. Mm-hmm. And either way, I win. So, um, but it's urgency. Let's get it. Let's, let's get our minds and hearts in the position to win and get results. I love that. Especially in this industry, we get a little bit of a paralysis by analysis and death by committee. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I've been the victim of those too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so I Paul mean, Reed says, just do it guys. Just right. do it. Do it. Well, um, I totally appreciate your time today. Um, it was a great conversation. We were really looking forward to this one ever since we got the opportunity to meet you in real life at Imagine H2O. So we hope we get to bump into you again at 
at WebTech as well. So um, thank you so much for spending this time thank with us. Thank you. Thank you. We got the clappers going in the background. Yay. Yay. There's an audience. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Water Nerd newsletter. Found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore h2duo. We share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter. So whether we come across your feed or in your inbox, be sure to share episodes with your friends, family, colleagues, fellow water nerds. Help us spread the word. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says. Those who tell the stories rule the world.